This is Viewpoint with attorney and author Chuck Chrismeyer. Viewpoint is a one-hour talk show confronting the issues of America's heart and home. And now with today's edition of Viewpoint, here is Chuck Chrismeyer. Just as the flames of fire are never satisfied, even so, hell itself is never satisfied. Because it has no borders. Hell has no borders. Heaven does, but hell doesn't. So what does that have to say to us about the border crisis? We want to talk about the border crisis here today on Viewpoint, and I'm glad that you've joined us. It's conversation with ever-increasing conviction, talk that transforms, and one might have to wonder whether the decisions that are being made by the current Biden administration are actually trying to create a hell on earth right here in our own country. A borderless hell. So what good are borders anyway? What would God have to say about borders? Has he said anything about borders? Does the Bible help us in this regard at all? How should we then think concerning this matter of borders? Is there a humanitarian crisis, a real humanitarian crisis, or has it been created for political purposes? Is the problem actually political, or is it moral and spiritual? And does it go back to the very intentions of God himself? All of these things we're going to be talking about here on Viewpoint today, and I'm so glad that you've joined us again, as always. It's conversation with ever-increasing conviction, talk that transforms. It may come of some interest to you to know that illegal migrant crossings at the United States-Canadian border in the last three months have exceeded the total number of crossings in the total of fiscal years 2021 and 2022. And that, my friends, is just the last three months. Border Patrol recorded 3,846 encounters of migrants crossing into the U.S. illegally from Canada between October and December. Of those who crossed the northern border illegally in December, 1,608 were Mexican nationals. Why were they coming from the north? Was there not enough space for them to come in from the south? The Canadian Border Patrol recorded 302,000 encounters of migrants at the U.S.-Mexican border in December marking the highest month on record. At the northern border, illegal migrant encounter for fiscal year 2024, 3,846 exceeds the total encounters in both fiscal years 2021 and 2022 combined. Things are not going well. But interestingly, President Joe Biden and Canadian Prime Minister Justin Trudeau made a deal in March, a year ago, to crack down on the influx of migrants crossing into the U.S., but illegal crossings from Canada into the U.S. have only increased. Things have gone from bad to worse. Border agents recorded more than 2.2 million encounters of migrants crossing the southern border illegally in the fiscal year 2022 and more than 2 million in fiscal year 2023. Where is this going? And why is it 
Is there something about the political views of Justin Trudeau and Joe Biden that so coincide that rather than actually intending to control their border crisis, wanted to increase it? And if so, why would they want to do that? You see, oftentimes we don't have to ask just what is happening, but we need to understand why it is happening. One of the things that's unique to this particular program, as so many people have come to understand, is that we just don't deal with facts and information. We use the information, we report the information, but for a purpose. And that purpose is for transformation, and in order to yield or get to the point of transformation, we need very specific application that often goes to our hearts. You see, the heart of the matter is always the heart. And some people will say, well, yeah, that's what we've been trying to tell you, why we need more of these uh, people coming in across our borders, because we have a heart for them. Yes, I understand that. God has a heart for them, too. God has a heart for you. He has a heart for me. He has a heart for the whole world. He said his only begotten son in the fullness of time, that whosoever would believe in him should not perish but have everlasting life. But he established a border to his heaven. Only those who truly believed in him and lived according to righteousness would be entered, allowed to enter in. We somehow seem to forget that. So we're going to take a look at the bigger picture here today on Viewpoint. We've already laid the foundation with reporting on some of the numbers. And this, the Supreme Court, just in on Monday, uh, actually exacerbated this problem with a 5-4 to four emergency ruling uh, against the Lone Star State, Texas, tossing more fuel on the smoldering fire. But why did they do that? They didn't actually tell Texas that they could not put up the barbed wire or razor wire. They actually refused to say that the government could not take down, uh, could, could continue to put up its razor wire. But the problem is that Texas is not putting up razor wire on federal property only on state or private property. So the Supreme Court ruling didn't really deal with the issue at all. It punted. But the question again is, why did the Supreme Court punt? Well, one of the interesting pieces of information in that regard that has to do with viewpoints is that it was all the women on the Supreme Court that joined together, Republican and Democrat, joined together in the 5-4 to four emergency ruling against Texas and in favor of the federal government. I believe there was only one or two men that joined in that. So why is it that one of the most conservative justices on the Supreme Court decided to join on the side of the federal government and against Texas. I'm going to suggest something to you, and you may not like it, 
But I think it has a lot to do with this issue and why that decision was made. You see, there is a reason why God gave dominion in families to men. You say, oh, there you go again. That's a uh, patriarchy kind of thing, down with patriarchy and all of that kind of nonsense. No, God himself established that order. It wasn't human beings that established it. It was God who established it, that the man was to be head of the house. Why was that? Why is it that Satan went first to Eve in the temptation? Why did he do that? It's because of the temptation or the leadership within the heart of women to be softer than men. Once upon a time, children could pray and read their Bibles in school. Divorces were practically unknown, as was child abuse. In our once great America, virginity and chastity were popular virtues, and homosexuality was an abomination. So what happened in just one generation? Hi, I'm Chuck Chris Meyer, and I urge you to join me daily on Viewpoint, where we discuss the most challenging issues touching our hearts and homes. Could America's moral slide relate to the Fourth Commandment? Listen to Viewpoint on this radio station or anytime at saveus.org. To build on that, you may be concerned why I might say that God ordained men to be the head of the home, to be the leaders, the spiritual leaders, and that Satan himself, when he wanted to tempt Adam and Eve, did not go to Adam, he went to Eve. She was the most vulnerable. Why was Eve the most vulnerable? because of the very characteristic that God uh, created in women. It's not a bad thing, but it is a thing. Women are created to be nurturers. In general, they have uh, a level of feelings and and bringing together a kind of of warmth uh, that uh, men are not generally known for. And that's why children will run to their mommies before they run to their daddies. Mommy, kiss me better. So, that spirit bound these women together, including Amy Coney Barrett, in the Supreme Court, to align herself with the feelings of the women, the liberal progressive women of the Supreme Court. They were moved more by feelings than they were by the law. They allowed feelings for Immigrants or illegals or whatever name you want to apply, they allowed feelings to override the law. Therefore, to a certain extent, while they would not admit that borders are irrelevant, they actually considered them relatively irrelevant in light of the compelling feelings that bound the women together on the Supreme Court. Just try to give me another explanation. 
No one has been able to come up with one, and no one dares. Because it's too sensitive. But on this program, we dare to talk about things that really matter. When a man gives up leadership, spiritual leadership, moral leadership, leadership in a family, he forces women, to the, their wives, to take control, to take over. Most wives don't want to do that, but they do it because nature abhors a vacuum and somebody has to lead. Now, we're in a country right now where somebody has to lead. And rather than leadership, what we're finding that leadership according to law and according to God's view of borders, we actually have just the opposite taking place. It's the kicking down of borders. Now, there's only one border that God wants to kick down. And that's the border into heaven. But he doesn't want to kick it down. He actually wants to make it plain that there is a way into heaven. If, if you go through the proper channels... There is a way to get into heaven, and all are open to come in. The scripture says of Christ, no one who comes unto the Father will be turned away. In truth, no one who comes unto the Father in truth and in honesty and in righteousness and in humility and in repentance will be turned away. But if you don't qualify through the qualification of the heart, you will not make it into heaven. That borderline has been drawn. But the there is no border to hell, friends. Compromise corner is the open door to the multi-highway to hell. And many there be that go in thereat. So if we do not have a biblical and righteous understanding of the meaning of borders from God's perspective we are going to completely confuse the whole issue and turn it into what we're calling a humanitarian crisis, which was not the original problem. The humanitarian crisis has been created by politicians who decided to politicize that which was otherwise a legal uh, requirement. They didn't want that. But why didn't they want that? Again, we have to answer the question, why? And here's the answer. They want to completely dilute all allegiance to America as America historically understood. And it's not just a matter of allowing in illegals in mass. 
It's a, they're doing exactly the same thing in our schools for the past 60 years. So that Generation Z and even millennials hardly have any kind of allegiance whatsoever to the country. They've done it purposely. Our new universities and our colleges have done it purposely. Liberals within the, in fact, the, the general spirit of the Democratic Party is not favorable to a country known as the United States of America. So what is it favorable to? A global country called a new world order. And that, my friends, is what this is really all about. To completely dilute the allegiance of a country that currently stands as the only barrier other than Israel to the new Western world order being promoted by the World Economic Forum, by the United Nations, by Joe Biden, by John Kerry, by all of these folk. These two countries are the only ones that stand as barriers. And the goal is to completely remove, insofar as possible, all allegiance to the United States of America so that a large enough proportion of the population will be ready and willing to rush into the arms of a new global government. And you know where that's going to head because we talk about it regularly. Now you might think, well, I thought you were going to talk about borders. Well, we are. That's exactly what we're talking about. But nobody wants to talk about these aspects of it which are the real aspects of it. The motivations of the heart or of politics and so on are the real issues. So what we're trying to do, what uh, is happening with the Biden administration, and again, this is not a moral and spiritual and biblical issues have been converted into political issues. But fundamentally, they're not political issues. But the moment we put the political label on it, all of a sudden you've got uh, Republican and Democrat attached to them. That's not what we're talking about here. This isn't a Republican-Democrat argument per se. It has to do with a viewpoint of legitimacy from God's perspective. If you remove God from the whole thing, then... Every man can do that which is right in his own eyes. Every man is not restricted or constrained by law, which, by the way, is another form of a border. And so, as Senator Rick Scott said, we now have a lawless federal government. A lawless federal government disregarding our own border intentionally. A federal government that has, he said, they're okay with drugs coming across the borders, criminals coming across the border, terrorists coming across the border, millions of people coming across the border, completely unvetted. But, again, the question is, why? Have you noticed Rick Scott didn't talk about that? Nobody talks about it because they consider it way too sensitive. 
Nobody wants to talk about the effort, the intentional effort to globalize this country that Abraham Lincoln called the last best hope of Earth. That's the reason they're doing it, friends, because they know it's the last best hope, and they are determined, believe that we're on the threshold of this new world order, that they have declared, both the United Nations and the World Economic Forum, that the year 2030 is the goal. That's the year when all of this must transpire. And how long uh, uh, beyond now, where from now do we find 2030? Six and a half years, friends. Put that into your thinking cap. Consider the implications. This is the reason why this border drama is taking place. And when you consider that Team Biden spent $20 billion for migrant resettlement in 2022 and 2023 to accommodate transport, provide various services, medical care, loans, all kinds of things. Free food, $20 billion. In other words, the Biden administration is seducing people to come across the border to remove all barriers, in effect, and to seduce people to come across in mass. He has set the stage. Let me ask you a question. What would you say of a pastor who says, you know what, uh, everybody's going to go to heaven. It's called universalism. Everybody's going to go to heaven. And uh, God is so loving... And he is so kind and generous. And didn't he create all humankind in his image? So he actually is going to allow all to go to heaven. No matter what they do, no matter what they say, no matter what they, how they behave, no matter whether or not they have come into a relationship with Jesus Christ or not, they're all coming in. Well, There used to be a song that we used to sing, Heaven is a wonderful place, filled with glory and grace. I want to see my Savior's face. Heaven is a wonderful place. It won't be wonderful if all those people come in, friends. It'll be hell in heaven. Because there are no borders. Why is it we have become so touchy-feely with the psychologizing of the faith over the past 50 years that we just can't seem to get a handle on God as a righteous God, as a holy God. And he will not allow sin in his presence. The Apostle Paul talked about that in Ephesians chapter 5, talking about marriage. He said, Christ is not coming back for a bride with spot, wrinkle, or any such thing. It doesn't matter how much you want them to come in. It doesn't matter even with where they're, they're a, a, a fugitive. It doesn't matter. All those things don't matter anymore. The only thing that matters is whether you are in alignment with Jesus Christ as Messiah, the Savior of the world, 
You have confessed your sin. You realize that you need a Savior, that you need his salvation, that you need his cleansing, and that without that, you cannot walk in righteousness or holiness. Therefore, you humble yourself. You do what God requires under his law through his mercy to allow you into his heaven. It's very simple. But the spirit, the very spirit of this lawlessness in the church began right there in the late 1950s and early 1960s with Dr. Robert Schuller in Southern California who built that crystal cathedral. But he didn't start there. But he did say that it's abuse to tell people they're sinners. All they need is more self-esteem. In other words, everybody who's going to get in, just give them more self-esteem. There is so much more about Chuck Chris Meyer and Save America Ministries on our website, saveus.org. For example, under the marriage section, God has marriage on his mind. Chuck has some great resources to strengthen your marriage. First off, a fact sheet on the state of the marital union, a fact sheet on the state of ministry, marriage, and morals. Saveus.org. Marriage, divorce, and remarriage. What does the Bible really teach about this? Find all of this at SaveUS.org. Also, a letter to pastors, the Hosea Project, SaveUS.org, and many more resources to strengthen your marriage. It's all on Chuck's website, SaveUS.org. Again, you can listen to Chuck's Viewpoint broadcast live and archived. Save America Ministries website at SaveUS.org. pastor who will not preach sin, a pastor who will not preach the walk of righteousness as necessary to get into the gates of the holy city, is a pastor who refuses to align his mind and his heart and his ministry with that of God himself, and is preaching a doctrine of open borders. I hate to put it so bluntly. That's the reason we're in the mess we're in, my friends. Even God's own house has adopted an open door, open border policy within the church to welcome everybody regardless of the qualifications that God set up to enter into his kingdom. That, my friends, is at the foundation of the whole church growth movement that began in the early 70s, of the seeker-sensitive movement that began in the 1990s, of the emerging church movement that picked up after that, and the growth of megachurches all across this country. That's how they grew. Open border policies. Why did Jesus say in Matthew chapter 7, straight is the gate and narrow the way that leads to life and precious few there will be that go in thereat? Why did he say that? Why did he say, but broad is the way 
that leads to destruction. And many there will be that go in there. In other words, that, my friends, is open border to hell. The gateway to heaven, there is a gateway that you have to enter to get into the pearly gates. These are symbolic terms to use to describe our eternal destiny. Jesus said, not everyone who says unto me, Lord, Lord, is going to inherit the kingdom. Only those who do the will of my Father. In other words, only those who obey my word, my will, and my ways, just like Jesus did. These are not difficult things to understand. We just don't want to understand them in this day and age because we're on the near edge of the second coming of Jesus Christ. We don't realize how close we really are, and we've been so sold out to the spirit of an open-door policy, we just don't get it. But even Jesus, right there in Revelation chapter 3, the seven churches of Asia, the last one, the Laodicean church, Jesus says, I stand at the door and knock. Now, wait a minute. Why did Jesus have to stand at the door and knock? Couldn't he just have barged the door down? No, because he respects borders. And the borders are issues of the heart that take the form of law to protect those that are rightfully within the borders and keep out those who are not rightfully within the borders and provide a danger to those inside. So, Jesus stands at the door and knocks. Now, contrary to popular belief and teaching, Jesus was not standing at the door of unbelievers and knocking to get into their lives. That's not what the church of Laodicea was all about. Remember, it was a church. It was a milky toast church, just like the church today. Jesus was knocking at the door of the church because they didn't want him in. But he said, if there's anyone who will open the door and respond to me, I will come in and sup with him and he with me. Jesus respected the border of the door. And he respects the border of the door of your heart. Are you letting him in? Just because you believe in God or believe in devil, uh, believe in Jesus doesn't mean you're opening the door to your heart. Are you doing his will? Are you agreeing with what Jesus has said concerning the issues of our time, concerning the issues of life, concerning marriage, concerning divorce, concerning uh, homosexuality, concerning transgenderism, concerning telling the truth or not telling the truth, concerning forgiveness or not forgiving? Are you obeying those things? If not, he's standing at the door of your heart, and he's knocking. Are you going to let me in? Well, what do we have to do to let him in? We have to agree with his viewpoint. We have to recognize that there is a way 
that seems right to human beings, but the way thereof is, is destruction and death. But there was a way of life, and that is what Jesus has portrayed, and there are borders that are established by God as to which one we will enter into. Jesus has not established a border to, uh, to prevent people from going into hell. What he has done is established a border that will qualify people to enter into heaven. He desires that none should perish, but that all should come to repentance. We're not trying to keep people from immigrating to America legally. What we're trying to do is keep a lawful basis so that illegitimate folk who are not qualified, who are potentially a danger to this country, who do not meet the necessary qualifications to come in and sup with us and we with them, are kept out. That's the purpose of immigration law, and also to keep the country from being overwhelmed with burdens that the society is not able to bear. In other words, they have to come in in a balanced way that does not overwhelm the country. If you look at what's happening in Europe, friends, England, France, Germany, many of the countries of Europe, because they have adopted open border policies to Muslims, are being completely overrun, and their entire cultures are being changed. And now they don't know what to do with it. They've allowed this to go on so far because of their uh, multiculturalistic, religious pluralistic, politically correct ideas that have invaded the entire Western world, that now they don't know what to do. And they're being overrun. And their entire cultures are being changed. They're no more Christian cultures at all. They're becoming Muslim cultures. Is that something that God is ordaining for formerly Christian Europe? Is that something that God is ordaining, which Barack Obama sought to accomplish here in America? Which he did, by the way. He began the process. You see, politics may be the public expression of some of these things, but the real issues are the heart. Now let's let's say this. Let's talk about the stranger. You know what? God loves the stranger. He told Israel to receive the stranger and to treat the stranger among them as their own. The same laws would apply to the stranger. Because in reality, God knows that we're all strangers here. 
in our book, The Power of Hospitality, my wife and I talk about that. There's an entire chapter called We're All Strangers Here, and it's true. God wants us to have a heart to reach to strangers and to reach to the unlovely and to reach to those that are uh, not able to care for themselves or who are under political persecution, uh, religious persecution, and so on. That isn't the problem. Our country, more than any other country, has had an open immigration policy. Not perfect, but more than any other country. So why is it that these progressive, political progressives, are deriding our desire and and need to establish the legal borders and the requirements for coming in so that we're not completely overwhelmed. The reason is simple. They want us to be completely overwhelmed because that is what they know needs to happen in order for the United States of America to be so weakened in its allegiance to open our arms to a new world government, a one-world government. Otherwise, they say they won't do it. The country won't do it. It's too strong. has too much allegiance to its history. I hope you're listening. Yes, God wants us to reach to strangers. That's why God prompted me years ago to do an entire series dealing with the power of hospitality. But hospitality has its limits. It has to begin in the heart. It doesn't begin as a program to accomplish some other political purpose. It's a matter of the heart, my friends. And that we just don't seem to get. We'll be back after this. Have you ever considered what the early church was like? Many people are developing a heart longing for a greater fulfillment in our practices as Christians. A recent study showed 53,000 people a week are leaving the back door of America's churches in frustration. What is going on? Why has there not been even a 1% gain among followers of Christ in the last 25 years? Could it be that God is seeking to restore first century Christianity for the 21st century? Jesus said, I'll build my church. Is Christ by his spirit stirring to prepare the church for the 21st century? The early church prayed together and broke bread from house to house. They were family, and it was said by all who observed, behold how they love one another. Incredible. But the same can be found right now. Go to saveus.org and click Sell Church. We can revive first century Christianity for the 21st century. It's about people, not programs. It's about a body, not a building. That's saveus.org. Click Sell Church. Welcome back to Viewpoint. We're talking about borders. We're talking about the border crisis. We're talking about immigration. We're talking about illegal immigration. We're talking about the whole picture here today on Viewpoint, and it is not fundamentally political. It's been co-opted for political purposes, but the 
fundamental issues are not political. They're biblical. Mary Carter, whom I've never met, has written an excellent piece called What Does the Bible Say About Borders? She says, when it comes to borders, the Bible offers some intriguing insights. It's not just about lines on a map. In biblical times, borders were significant. They defined nations and territories. But the Bible's perspective is broader. It's about how we define our personal boundaries, respect others, and understand God's plan for nations. Is now you might be thinking, what does this ancient book, the Bible, have to say about modern issues of borders? Well, hang tight. The Bible's wisdom on this topic might surprise you. It delves into the heart of how we should view and manage borders, both physical and metaphorical. Notice she says it delves into the heart. She said when we explore the Bible's take on borders, we see a fascinating blend of respect for national borders and a call for personal and communal responsibility. From the ancient Israelites establishing their land to Jesus' teaching on love and acceptance, the Bible provides a nuanced view of borders. The Old Testament borders were crucial. They defined the promised land given to the Israelites. But it wasn't just about land, it was about identity and responsibility. The Israelites were to respect their borders, not as a means of exclusion, but as a way to fulfill God's purpose for them. And friends, that should be the view that we have of our country. So what's God's view on borders? It seems to be a balance. Yes, physical borders are acknowledged and respected. But there's also a clear message about the importance of extending love and support beyond these borders. Borders, in the Bible's perspective, are not just physical barriers. They are opportunities to practice respect, responsibility, and compassion. For instance, you're not going to just go into your neighbor's house and barge in there, open the door and barge in, are you? Why? Because you have learned, hopefully, that that door and those walls are a border. And they respect the right to privacy of your neighbor. It is a demonstration that that is their domain. And now, if you want to enter their domain, you knock on the door, ring the bell, and if and when they come to the door... If they welcome you in, you go in, and now you're rightfully inside the border. Now, if you came to the door with a right heart and a right purpose, you're going to treat your neighbor's home and the persons in it rightfully. But if you did not come to the door with a right heart and a right purpose, then you're going to create havoc in that home you are an illegal and you have come illegitimately into that home are you beginning to get the picture now interestingly in the book of acts chapter 17 verse 26 we're told that god made from one man every nation of mankind to live on the face of the earth having determined the borders or boundaries of their dwelling place. 
having determined the boundaries of their dwelling place. Do you remember back in Genesis chapter 11, where after the flood, God had told uh, Abraham and his sons to disperse throughout the face of the earth to complete Adam's uh, injunction to be fruitful and multiply and to go out there and spread themselves. Well, guess what? As they began to grow and develop their families, they decided they didn't want to do that. They didn't want to do what God said to do. They decided they were going to come together and create the first one-world government. So they built the Tower of Babel. That's one reason, friends, why Amazon is in the process of building its new headquarters just outside Arlington, Virginia, just outside our capital, in the form of the Tower of Babel. Why? Because Amazon sees itself as an expression, an economic expression of the new world order and a world government. It's it's very simple. We are in that process right now, all over the world. It's why the EU headquarters there in Strasbourg, France, was built in the same pattern of the Tower of Babel. So we are in this mode right now in our world of dissing what God has said and doing what God dispersed the nations from in the building of the Tower of Babel. Remember, he said, now, they're all saying the same thing. And now nothing will be restrained from them which they imagine to do. So... He confounded their languages so that they could not continue the building. What was the problem with the building? It wasn't the building itself. It was why they were building the building. It was their heart, and God knew that. And he was not going to allow them at that early stage of world history to so profoundly diss his word and his will and his ways to be successful in building that tower and to unite together without dispersing themselves throughout the world to form the nations which he had said they must form. That was God's will. Today, the world is intent having abandoned the God that made and preserved us a nation in this country through one half of the peoples in this nation, at least one half, who have abandoned the fear of the Lord, carte blanche. They've decided that they know best and they can be God themselves. So, we don't need these God-ordained borders anymore. We're going to change the whole perspective on things. It's like what Bill Clinton said in 1997 out there in California concerning the issue of homosexuality, which was another border that God established. No, he called it an abomination. That's a border, friends. But Bill Clinton said this, in an, in an environment of all homosexuals 
the first time an American president ever addressed a homosexual audience knowingly and intentionally. Here's what he said. We are, in practical ways, changing the immutable ideals that have guided us from the beginning. The word immutable means unchangeable. That means Bill Clinton acknowledged that those ideals were boundaries. They were boundaries that were established by God, which he knew because he carried for photo ops this big black Bible. He knew that. But he said, we're doing it anyway. You see, whenever we cross over, when the church crossed over to bless divorce and remarriage, starting in 1968 in Southern California, and then it spread like wildfire through the God is Love movement. What the church decided to do was cast away the creation boundary that God established for marriage, which is the most fundamental uh, uh, boundary or, or issue of society itself. From there came the assault on or remarriage, which was another assault causing adultery to become normative in the church. So the church itself actually facilitated through its pastors and parachurch leaders and psychologizing uh, parachurch leaders and so on, actually tore down intentionally one of the most fundamental borders that God had established. And then we can't figure out why we have this assault through uh, homosexual marriage and then transgenderism and, and now the push for bestiality in Germany even. And uh, polyamory and all of these things. Friends, this is the result of throwing down the borders. It's not just about our southern border. It's a much bigger picture. It's a spiritual issue. Somewhere, somehow, you have to draw the line. And it's painful to a lot of people to draw the line because their feelings are on the line. How do you draw the line, for instance, with regard to the divorce and remarriage issue when... 50% of the people in our country, including in our churches, are divorced and are remarried. How do you draw the line? Well, you have to be willing to agree with God, and it's going to be painful. And you might just want to read the book of Ezra, chapter 9 and 10, to find out what Israel had to do and what it cost them. You're either going to establish God-given borders or you're not. We're either going to agree with what God has said or not. It's not that difficult. What's difficult is we have allowed the borders to be kicked down for so long that we have created a situation that is profoundly difficult, and that's what we're facing politically in our country today, with an invasion, literal invasion, that a president has facilitated and then wants to point the finger 
at a few thousand people that happened to go to the Capitol on January 6th to fight against this overwhelming assault against the government of the United States that is was taking place through a political endeavor to destroy America's election stability. In other words, the kettle is calling the pot black. And it's coming out more and more, by the way. In Genesis 15, God says, On that day the Lord made a covenant with Abram, saying, To your descendants have I given this land, from the river of Egypt to the great river, the river Euphrates. That's the establishment of Israel's borders. But a significant moment in biblical history. And guess what? It's the refusal of the nations to agree with God's giving the uh, definition of Israel's borders that is creating the whole situation with Gaza, the whole situation with the Muslim world, with the European Union, the United Nations, that are all coming against Israel because these godless nations refuse to agree with what God said way back then. Deuteronomy 32, when the Most High gave to the nations their inheritance, when he divided mankind, he fixed the borders of the peoples according to the number of the sons of God. And on and on and on. My friends, I hope this might have been helpful. Things aren't always the way they seem to be on the surface. The heart of the matter is always the heart. And as Jeremiah said, the heart of man is desperately wicked. Who can know it? God's got a, ta- a, a tough job on his hands to get our attention. And it's got to start in the heart of God's people. God wants borders. Legitimate borders. Not so much to keep people out, but to keep order in our families, in our congregations, and in our countries. God bless and be a blessing. You've been listening to Viewpoint with Chuck Grissmeyer. Viewpoint is supported by the faithful gifts of our listeners. Let me urge you to become a partner with Chuck as a voice to the church declaring vision for the nation. Join us again next time on Viewpoint as we confront the issues of America's heart and home.